family to the Manifold Witness Podcast, where faith and witness are practiced. Here we seek to unify a community of believers through promoting a comprehensive discussion by extracting revelatory truth from the scriptures for yourself and others. And now your host, Oscar Lewis, and co-host, Alicia Lewis. Welcome, 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 family, to the Manifold Witness Podcast. We thank you for joining us again today. I am your spirited host, Oscar Lewis, and I'm joined with my wonderful, beautiful co-host, Alicia Lewis. Please salutate the people. Good morning, everyone. So glad you guys are able to join us again. Folks, we took a little hiatus because of life. We are still going through our series, The ABCs of Christianity, and we've talked about the doctrine of Christ. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And now we're going into the first principles of the doctrine of Christ. So we talked about the first principle, which was repentance from dead works. And so we talked about what repentance was and is. And now we're going into our second principle, which is faith toward God. So once again, we want to thank you for joining us today. For those of you who have been following us, we want to appreciate you in this moment for liking, subscribing, sharing these different podcasts. Yeah, we want to let you know we are on all social media platforms. You can follow us or or like our page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and just follow along and try to keep up with What's happening new with Manifold Witness Podcast? And we have a email address for those of you who are of that persuasion and <laughs> like to email. Hey, send us an email if you want to learn about a particular topic, something that's on your heart that God has been dealing with you with. Maybe we can do an episode on that. Yes, our email address is Manifold Witness Podcast at gmail.com. Manifold Witness Podcast at gmail.com. Awesome. Now that we have gotten the preliminaries out the way, how about we get into it, Alicia? Let's go. Today's discussion or conversation is going to be geared towards faith toward God. Before we go into that, I want to open up with this little explanation. Alicia, this is a question for you. (laughs) Okay. Have you ever played the game Trust Fall? I have. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that game. I believe you're not able to see where you're falling and you just have to trust that someone's going to not drop you. Okay, so let's put a little context to that because this just fall back on what? So you mean like you have a group of people Mm -hmm. that are standing. um, And yes, they may be uh, holding arms with each other, like standing across from each other. With arms held out and then you fall back into their arms. There we go. Okay, great. Good clarity on that (laughs) because how you explained it, it sounds like, okay, what is this again? To bring it to a, uh, a full understanding, a trust fall is a game exercise or activity done for the purposes of building trust amongst teammates. Generally, one person stands up straight, closes their eyes and falls back as Alicia just described, relying on others to catch them before hitting the ground. (laughs) Now, I don't know about you, but for me, that would take a lot of trust, especially if I am not that familiar with the people that are catching me. But many companies do this activity. Some of you who are listening might have heard of this activity, but it's a way to build connection amongst teammates, employees, things of that nature. But today we're going to be discussing this as it relates to our faith toward God, because faith towards God can feel like playing the game trust fall. Hebrews 6 and 1 Reads like this. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. The Hebrew believers during this time had converted to uh, Christianity. These Hebrew believers were struggling to put their faith solely in God. Now, mind you, 
They were of the religion Judaism. Now, Judaism was more than a religion. It was more so uh, a culture. And many cultures of our time and day have a religion. It's what distinguishes them from other cultures based off of their religious beliefs. So we have to look at it in an intrinsic type of way. We can't look at it as if their religion is something that they do. No, during this time, their religion was who they were as a people. And these people put their faith in their religion. And when they converted to Christianity, they had to now find out how to yet be identified as Hebrew people, but live that out through their newfound Christian faith. So they were trusting in a multitude of religious works to help them become right with God. So they had Judaism so ingrained into them that they didn't know how to separate themselves based off of this new belief that they had converted to. So the phrase toward God is translated from three Greek words, which describes a faith that is leaning on God and trusting wholly in him. It is a picture of a complete trust. It depicts no self-reliance, but instead a faith that rests only on God. So after going through this description, what does that sound like? It, it sounds like what we just talked oh, about. The trust fall. The trust fall. Yeah. It's a total reliance and rest upon whatever you're leaning on. You're in this trust fall activity. You have to trust that when you fall back, that someone is going to catch you. Mm-hmm. It's complete trust because you you have given up all of your self-reliance. Mm-hmm. You have given up a sense of control and mm-hmm. you're relinquishing everything that happens from the point that you let go on someone else. Right. And this is how we can view faith towards God. Can I just go back just a little bit? When you asked, what does it sound like? Uh, I'm thinking more so along the lines of when you were talking about how to incorporate culture in your Christian beliefs. I feel like even though we're talking about the children of Israel back then, it still is very much alive and active in, in us today as far as like, how do we incorporate our Christian beliefs in the culture that we're from? Because we obviously are from a particular culture. And sometimes our Christian beliefs obviously don't line up with what the culture says should be true about that's right. anything, about about any topic or whatever in no, today's that's good. world. That's a good point. But yeah, that that's something that we're going to delve into a little bit more here in, in the podcast. So what that is a good point that when we do convert to Christianity, when our heart has been transformed, because mm-hmm. we talked about Christianity, it starts off with repentance. And that repentance means a turning, a transformation from a caterpillar to a butterfly. And so when we do come into this a new life, so to speak, it should impact our whole life and not just a compartment of our life. And this case, which we were talking about is religion. Mm-hmm. So believe it or not, though, most people have some sort of religious belief, whether they know it or not. Mm-hmm. Because religion, it's a subset of spirituality. The reason I say that is because spirituality has to do with meaning and purpose. And so whenever someone is trying to find meaning and purpose in their life, the first thing they lean towards is religion. So most people who say that I'm not religious, Mm -hmm. those people do adhere to some type of spiritual belief uh, system. They have something that they believe in. Some people maybe believe in their family. They put their family above anything else. Mm-hmm. Some people may believe in their, I don't know, maybe their career. So that's a form being a religious person in a sense. And some people put, some people believe in their innate goodness. Yes. Like yes. I'm a good person. Yes. 
I try to do good things towards other people. Yes. They so they put their faith in that. I'm a good person. I'm not like someone else who they, whoever they want to point the finger at that they feel like isn't good, but that they so they have some sort of innate goodness. Yeah, and they they call that humanism, putting your faith and trust in the, the human will. But as we go on here, the writer of Hebrews qualifies faith as being toward God. Everyone in the earth has faith in something or towards something, be it science, technology, religion, what we're talking about now, or the economy. For those of you who are wondering, what do I mean by the economy? On the 1st and the 15th, you'll get a good understanding of what economy means. It means payday. (laughs) Some folk have faith in And toward the 1st and the 15th, whenever your time to receive compensation for your labor. So we have faith, but it's all about what it is in or what it is towards. Okay, Mm -hmm. so we all have faith. So when people say, I I don't know, I'm just struggling to believe. No, you believe, but it's just not in the particular thing that's being addressed. Something similar happens when a person is born again or born from above. Christ enters their heart and they begin to develop faith toward God. In simple terms, faith is a state of trust and peace in the heart. This trust or confidence is a natural response to having a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, just as one would have if someone were to catch them before they fall. This is something that we all as believers must ascribe to. We must have a personal encounter with mm-hmm. Jesus. People say these things and they just becomes religious platitudes. You got to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It becomes just a religious platitude. It's something you say. When we allow these religious platitudes to weaken what really keeps us together as a people mm-hmm. is that we have a personal encounter with Jesus. And so we are coming into a place not of just simply talking about these things, but we have experienced them. And this is what I believe is the root cause of all of our worries as human beings, that on an intrinsic level, we truly don't trust the heart of God. That means on an innate level, that's something that is inborn. We have an issue with truly trusting who God is and what he's able to do in our life. Why do I say that? Let's go to some scriptures and see if we can ascertain this truth or understanding of our trust in God. Psalms 78 verses 5 through 22 tells us this. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded his ancestors to teach them to their children. So the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born, and they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. The warriors of Ephraim, though armed with bows, turned their backs and fled on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant and refused to live by his instructions. They forgot what he had done, the great wonders he had shown them, the miracles he had he did for them and their ancestors on the plain of Zoan in the land of Egypt. For he divided the sea and led them through the making the water stand up like walls. In the daytime, he led them by the cloud and all night by a pillar of fire. He split open the rocks in the wilderness to give them water as from a gushing spring. He made streams pour from the rocks, making the waters flow down like a river. 
Yet they kept on sinning against him, rebelling against the Most High in the desert. They stubbornly tested God in their hearts, demanding the foods they craved. They even spoke against God himself, saying, God can't give us food in the wilderness. Yes, he can strike a rock so water gushes out, but he can't give his people bread and meat. When the Lord heard them, he was furious. The fire of his wrath burned against Jacob. Yes, his anger rose against Israel, for they did not believe God or trust him to care for them. So that was a mouthful. Thank you, Alicia, for surviving through that. But the latter part of that scripture is that after all that God had done for them, they didn't trust God. Still. Still. Yeah. After all of that, they didn't trust God. Mm -hmm. Okay. So one would think that God would be through with people with such an ungrateful attitude like Mm -hmm. this. You know what? We think that because that's how we would probably respond. Think Mm -hmm. about you riding down the road and somebody cut you off. And let me tell you right now, you're not going to be thinking thoughts of mercy and grace towards this person. (laughs) Let's just be honest. Why do I say that? Hence the term road rage. Yeah. Uh, A phrase has been created because people are out here getting violent simply because somebody cut them off. Or Mm -hmm. how about this? How about you wait at the fast food restaurant of your choosing longer than the time you think it should take for them to fix your food? I guarantee you thoughts of mercy and grace will not be flowing through your head. Only to get your food and it'd be wrong too. It'd be absolutely wrong. Ask me how I know. I'm saying all that to say this. God was justified in his anger towards them, more so than we are justified. Mm-hmm. But guess what? There's more. In Psalm 79, verse 23 through 33, the faithless saga continues. But he commanded the skies to open. He opened the doors of heaven. He rained down manna for them to eat. He gave them bread from heaven. They ate the food of angels. God gave them all they could hold. He released the east winds in the heavens and guided the south wind by his mighty power. He rained down meat as thick as dust, birds as plentiful as the sand on the seashore. He caused the birds to fall within their camp and all around their tents. The people ate their fill. He gave them what they craved. But before they satisfied their cravings, while the meat was yet in their mouths, the anger of God rose against them and he killed their strongest men. He struck down the finest of Israel's young men. But in spite of this, the people kept sinning. Despite his wonder, they refused to trust him. So he ended their lives in failure, their years in terror. So... This is a culmination of everything that happened to the children of Israel in the wilderness. If you're wondering what in the world we're reading, okay? This is a story of what happened to the children of Israel. They took a 40-day trip and it took them 40 years and a whole generation did not make it to the promised land. So we're saying to you that God can be trusted. In spite of how we respond to him, God can be trusted. These people did not learn that lesson and they didn't make it to the promised land. And so we can understand here that everything that they said that God was not going to do, he did it. They said that he cannot provide bread in the wilderness and he provided angels food. And not only that, he fed them meat and they ate their fill. Guess what happened? The anger of the Lord rose again. What does that tell us? That even though God is merciful to us, and loving to us and kind towards us. His spirit will not strive with men always. Nevertheless, this is not a a condemnatory type of message I'm trying to relay to you. I'm trying to say that there is something intrinsically going on in the human heart that we have to get resolved. Mm -hmm. And what is that? Faith toward God. 
Faith toward God is the kind of faith Jesus said he would be looking for when he returns to earth. Luke 18 and 8 tells us this. When the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? You hear that? Jesus is saying that on his return, he is not going to take inventory of the church buildings. Nothing wrong with church buildings. He's not going to review all of the nonprofits we have sponsored. Nothing wrong with sponsoring a nonprofit. When he comes back and establish his rule and his reign, his physical kingdom on earth, he wants to know, will he find people simply trusting and having faith in him? I don't know about you, but that sobers me up a little bit. That makes me reconsider the things that I ascribe to, the things that I find essential and important in life. This is what will satisfy his heart as opposed to all these superficial things that we supposedly do for his glory. Think about all the things that people have done in the name of God. Do you know that wars have been fought in the name of God? And I I, I don't want to be somber here, but I just want to really highlight the point that there are a lot of people doing things out here in the name of God, in the name of Christ. But Christ, he is concerned about one thing. He's concerned about the conditions of our hearts. Mm -hmm. What is your heart really motivated by? What really gets you going? Mm -hmm. You ever heard somebody ask you, who are you? You probably won't (laughs) hear that question. Like, who? Like, hey, who who are you? Most of the time you hear people saying, what do you do? Because we're trying to evaluate something from an external position. Because when you talk about who people are, what mm, you're going to get those stares. To be able to relay who you are takes a certain level of self-reflection, too, that I don't know that a lot of people are are participating in. Or willing to even do. The man in the mirror. That's what my, my, look, MJ say, look, I'm talking about this one person that you can't seem to escape. That's true. You can't seem to escape this person. You go to sleep with this person. You eat, you eat with this person. You can change your geographical location. Hey, go ahead. You want to move across the... Oh, I don't want to be in this country. I'm a, Go ahead. Somebody coming with you, though. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. It don't matter. I don't ascribe to this. I don't ascribe to this anymore. I. This is what I want to be. Go ahead. It's okay. Go ahead. Change all that. But guess what? They still there. They ain't going to. That's why Hebrews 11 and 6 reads like this. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Are you hear that? Without faith, it's impossible to please. Now, we talked about in another episode, you're going to look at the archives, the difference between acceptance and approval. God accepts all, but he doesn't necessarily approve of all. So when you talk about pleasing God, this scripture here is leaning towards approval. So God is not a respecter of person, but he is a respecter of faith. And that's why we get so confused in our walk with God. Like, why are they experiencing things that I'm not experiencing? If you use your faith like they were using their faith, if you put your faith in God like they have been putting their faith in God, well, guess what? You get the same results. Mm -hmm. Same results. So it is good and right to do good works, especially things that will benefit others. In fact, good works are a sign that we are saved. James 2 verses 17 and 18 tells us this. However, our deeds and behaviors do not in any way earn us our salvation. The only way to be saved and spend an eternity in heaven is to trust in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and his resurrection from the dead. It is through faith in his righteous blood alone that we are made right with God. If we are trusting in anything other than Christ, we are in eternal trouble. Lisa, you want to add anything to that? (laughs) If we truly desire to please the Lord, then we need to do so by childlike faith. Now, what do we mean by childlike faith? We have three children. Oh, my gosh. And they... 
hang on every word he say. Look. Every promise that we make. Oh, man. We better come through with it. First of all, I don't make no promise to my kids. (laughs) I don't know who who Alicia kids, who she making promise. I don't, the ones that I know, (laughs) me personally, they come to me. It's going to be a yay or nay. Hard yay or hard nay. Because I don't do, I don't play that. Because my wife, she be, she kind of, you know, she live in the gray a little bit. Maybe later. And, oh my God! It pay you pay for la- later. Come, don't it? It hey, it they come, come every time. They come to cash that check every single time. And if you ain't got that payment, we gonna have some problem, folks. But anyways, it is impossible to please the Father in any other way. He is not influenced by our sacrifice. Nothing wrong with that. He's not influenced by our diligence. Nothing wrong with that. He is not influenced even by our religious observance. He has no issue with you going to church. Or you know what? He's not even influenced by our suffering. Now, that might be a touchy topic for some people because you know what? Let's just be honest. When people are going through hard things, I don't know if you a person that just are being pretty hard and domineering towards somebody who's going through some hardship. I question your love walk. But the scripture does say speak the truth in love. You know what I mean? So I don't want you to misunderstand what we're saying here that, you know what? God has a heart for people who are going through and who are suffering. However, it still doesn't bring you to the place of tenure in God as if you have a special right to be the way you are because you have gone through something hard. So that's the understanding that we must grasp here, that unless these things are born of childlike faith, then this does not really move the heart of God. And I know that's a sobering statement, but it's true. That God can't manipulate it. You know, he can't. We're prone to manipulation. Our kids be, oh God, my kids, they, they got, they, look, Hollywood, y'all need to come holler at uh, my kids because they some, (laughs) they could put on some shows. Some act. Some serious act one and act two. Productions. Intermission, (laughs) matter of fact, they got to be having intermission. (laughs) Like, seriously. But the heart of God cannot be influenced by our human tendencies. These things are no pleasure to the father unless they have been initiated in a heart of simple trust in him. That's what God is after. He's looking if you sincerely trust him and believe him, just like a child trusts their parent. According to the right of Hebrews, faith has two components. First, faith requires a belief that God is. And secondly, he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. Faith that believe God is who he has revealed himself to be. When you are sick, he is the God who heals you. When you are in financial need, he is the God who provides for you. And when you are in trouble, he is the God who is peace in the midst of your storm. This part of faith addresses your attitude. You believe that he is the answer to your every need. And the second part of faith addresses your actions. Because of who God is, you will live and trust toward him, expecting him to be faithful to the promises of his word. Hebrews 11.1 tells us this. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Okay, so we've heard that scripture text numerous times. We've heard that scripture text recited over and over again. And some of us may be scratching our heads. What in the world does this text really mean? So faith brings into reality the things that one wishes for himself or herself. So the fact that you have faith in something or towards something brings that thing into reality, which becomes substance for you, which becomes real. So this faith is a type of faith that it will not relinquish that which it is believing for or holding on to. It won't 
give up. It won't surrender. It will hold on to what it is believing God to do. This type of faith brings things into reality. So when you put your faith towards something that you believe in God to do in your life, and a simple faith, I'm not talking about this convoluted faith where you got to say the right prayers and you got to fix your mouth a certain way so you think God can hear you. No, I'm just talking about childlike faith, like, Lord, I need help. Mm -hmm. Okay. This type of faith becomes substance. It brings these things that are not into reality. So you can wish for things to change and hope that they will get better. But until you direct that faith at Jesus who died to bring deliverance and salvation, nothing will ever happen. You have to take that faith and you have to direct it towards what you believe in God for. Whatever you believe in God for, you direct your faith towards that thing and it comes into reality. However, when you turn to him in faith and confidence that he will deliver, save and redeem you in every area of your life, then you will see things begin to turn around. If you truly believe this to be so, then maybe it's time for you to take that trust fall in God. And we promise he won't let you fall. Have you struggled to believe and accept what Christ has done for you through his death, burial, and resurrection? Have you struggled with that? He wants you to stop struggling and learn to rest in him. This is our hope, and this is our hope for our listeners, that we come into a place of rest in God. Let this day be the first day you enter into his rest. So like, share, and subscribe with family or friends. And until we meet again, love, joy, and peace. Thank you for joining us today on Manifold Witness Podcast. We invite you to journey with us and subscribe to the show for the latest and the greatest. Until next time, love, joy, and peace.